0: Welcome back to Resolve. We all encounter difficult issues at times. Life can get tough and it may seem impossible. But no matter what and through it all, Jesus Christ is the answer. And through him, we can rise up and be more than conquerors. Today's message is the second in a three-part series regarding three important things to young people. We'll talk specifically about the dangers of lust. Next on Resolve. Now, let's join Pastor Tom Porter.
1: Is chapter 39. Genesis chapter 39. And we're going to look at the entire chapter. It's only 23 verses long. Uh, but Genesis chapter 39. Most marriages in our society today start off wrong. The rate of divorce is about 50%. 50%. I, and, that, and that's true. Even amongst Christians, 50%. 50% of the people that I've married and, and, and had the ceremony, I would say 50% have ended up in divorce. And it's because of a whole myriad of things. But the number one thing that, it, that I believe is the downfall to marriages is that couples fall in lust. They do not fall in love. And so with that, let us, let us look at the Word of God here just in a moment and uh, and see what God has to say about this thing called lust. And so uh, sex before marriage is never God's standard. I want you to know that. I believe the scripture is clear. Uh, even in the, uh, that, that sexual expression prior to marriage and outside of marriage, that's a sinful thing. And so we have to guard ourselves against that. Against that. The, uh, the, the couple that breaks up. and uh, you, You'll never forget... uh, If you've already lost your virginity, you'll never forget that time, ever. You'll never forget that person. You'll never forget uh, the circumstances in which that happened. It's etched in your mind for all eternity. And and it it can haunt you. It can... uh, but Satan will bring that up from time to time. And I, let me just say, if you're a Christian here today and you lost your virginity before, before marriage and you ask God to forgive you, God has forgiven you. You go on. And, but lust, there, there are three types of lust. We'll look at that in a moment. Lust will plague us. Lust will plague us until we die. It is, it is, that's one of the tools that Satan uses. And we'll look at the categories of lust in a minute. So I'm trying to help you this morning. I want you to understand that. Sex outside of marriage always leads to heartache because it defiles the law of God. The first expression of love that you need and I need to express is a love for our God, a love for our Savior. That's the relationship that we need to work on first and foremost. That's why we have VBS, to introduce little boys and girls to Jesus Christ, and that he died and was buried and rose again, and he died to save them from their, the, the, the horrible, horrible, everlasting penalty of hell and, and uh, to give them a home in heaven and to see them grow. Um, we, we mentor people. Uh, uh, I have uh, uh, some men that I'm mentoring right now. My wife has uh, couples that she's working with right now, the things that aren't on the calendar. These are things that, that we do outside of our norm. And, um, and, and it's important that we pour the Word of God and, and our friendship and our support into the lives of people. It's imperative that we do that, every one of us. The first expression of love, again, needs to be the Lord Jesus Christ. So may God help us this morning as we go through this. The biblical definition, or the, a biblical definition, lust is a strong craving or desire, often of a sexual nature. Lust is mentioned 29 times in the Scripture, and never is it mentioned in the Scripture in a good light. Boy, I just lusted after that apple pie last night. Oh, that was so good. It's never in a good light. It's always in a, in a bad light. You've all seen the movies where there's some men in a life raft in the middle of the ocean somewhere, drifting, hot sun, and the rations are running out, the food, the water. One night, All the men were sleeping, but one, he couldn't stand it. He was was dying of thirst. And he succumbed to the temptation of drinking the ocean water. You see, ocean water is seven times more salt. Our body can't handle it what happens is our kidneys start to try to filter out the salt and they're it's 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 saying i need water i need more fresh water and there's no fresh water a person that drinks salt water you know what happens they die of thirst they die of thirst and you see uh, just like that man there in that raft uh, we can allow the lust of the world to, and the temptations of the world to come in and, 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 and scream at us. But you know what? God's Word doesn't go around this issue. God's Word doesn't dodge this issue. It offers a plain and achievable counsel that really, really works. It promises hope and power and assurance for those who are tired of losing the battle and, and living with guilt. Does it do something to you like it does to me when I grieve the Holy Spirit? Do you feel sad, maybe not just for that moment, but for days? Do you feel that? Do you feel that? I do. I feel that grieving of the Holy Spirit, and it causes me to to pray more and to seek God's face and say, God, I'm sorry. God, I don't know why I do that. The apostle Paul said, the things that I shouldn't do, I do, and the things that I do that I I shouldn't do, and the things that I do that I, I don't do. Paul said, I'm the chiefest of sinners. Paul said, I have to die daily. And that's why it's important that we get up with the Word of God and, and we sit and we pray and we read the Word of God and we study our, our Bible to gain strength, to gain power, to resist the devil when the devil comes with temptation. Three types of lust. One's material lust. I don't care if it's a big old house or a, a little ring. I don't care if it's a sparkling brand new car or it's a $200 antique chest. People will find something to lust after, materialism. And then the other type of lust is the lust of, of, of personal, personal lust. I want to be the CEO, and I'll do anything crooked or non-crooked to get there. I want to be the president. I want to be the, uh, uh, the, the, the whatever. I, I, I. And I'll do anything to obtain it. That's personal lust. And then, of course, there's the sensual lust. And this is the lust for uh, another person. The desire to have and enjoy the body of another, even though we know such pleasure is illegal or immoral. We see this all the, all the time. We see this. It's in the news daily. Today, we're going to limit our focus on lust of this third category. And even though we'll do that, don't think for a minute that that's, this is the only, it's only sexual lust. That's No, there's material lust. There's personal lust. So let's plunge into the life of someone who has faced its head on, and his name is Joseph. His story told in Genesis 37 through 50, chapter fifty but we're going to focus on chapter 39. Joseph became a trusted slave at a high-ranking Egyptian named Potiphar. Joseph was a handsome young Hebrew. Early was sold off into slavery by his brothers. You all know the story. Joseph ended up in a pit. Then he was sold off into slavery, and Potiphar purchases him. And although Joseph was a man of high principle and true godliness, he was nothing more than just a common slave. That's all he was. But God. But God. God had favor on Joseph. Do you want favor? Do you want God's favor on your life? Do you ever pray God, give me your favor? What was that? The pray of Je- Je- uh, Jezebel. Jabez, remember that? God, expand my territories. God, protect me. It's okay to ask God things like that. In God's will, ask things like that. Sure it is. Look at verse 1. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, hello, He was a captain of the guard, an Egyptian. He bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian and his master saw that the Lord was with him. In other words, the master Potiphar saw that the Lord was with Joseph, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and his and he served him, and he made him overseer over his house and all that he had to be put into his hand. And it came to pass, verse five. It came to pass from the, that time that he uh, that he had him. Uh, made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptians' house for Joseph's sake, and the blessings of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. It blessed his house, it blessed his, his livelihood. Verse 6, and he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not aught he had, save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well favored. Now, what a man this Joseph was. Potiphar had a very responsible position. He was like head of the FBI and uh, the Secret Service, all wrapped up into one. He could say he was uh, uh, a very prominent man in Pharaoh's army. Potiphar was a respected, busy, well-paid officer. And with a discerning eye, he brought Joseph off of the slave uh, uh, block and he saw in Joseph, he saw that this man was um, credible, that this man was honest, that this man had an eye for integrity. A couple of things stand out. The Lord was with Joseph and he was empowered by God. Whatever Joseph had given, was given to do, he did it well. Don't you like that when you give somebody something to do and they do it well? I asked a kid, it was a college-age kid, I asked him to uh, sweep off the porch one time. This is in Lake Wales. I said, did you sweep off the porch here at the church? And that young man, I gave him a broom, and, uh, <coughs> and he swept it. He swept it all up. He did a good job. And he swept it all to a pile right there. He put the broom in the corner and went back to work. I came outside, I saw the broom, and I saw the pile. Joseph would have taken a dustpan and he would have picked up that pile he would have thrown it in the garbage he would have found where the broom belonged and he would have put the broom where it belonged you got some college-age students that you asked them to do that they, they don't they, and i said to him well what, what what about the pile and the broom well you told me to sweep off the step okay all right the micromanagement required here you know and so he, uh, Potiphar saw that, that Joseph, he, you know, he was a good worker. And because of Joseph, the Lord prospered Potiphar. And the Bible says that the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. And the blessing of the Lord was on everything that Potiphar had. And the promotions were well-deserved. And finally, to, to top off everything it was given to Joseph, he became the house steward. Everything. Look at verse 6. I, I had to study this one up here. Verse 6 here. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. Now here we go. And he knew not aught he had. I thought, man, what does that mean? He knew not aught what he had. Save the bread. What, he is, what the Word of God is saying here is Potiphar didn't worry about what he had, only that day was some meat and taters on the plate at dinner time. Okay? He didn't have to worry about all that. He didn't fret about paying the bills and cleaning the house and, and making beds and all that goes on with what you women do at house. I tell you, being a stay-at-home mom, mercy, that's work. That's a tough work. I used to say, do you work or do you just stay at home? I used to say that. And man, you know, it, it took about three slaps in the face from three different women. Boy, they hurt too, you know, for me to figure that out. So I always say, do you work outside the home or do you really work inside the home, you know? He, he didn't have to worry about any of that. Just, hey, make sure, you know, call me whatever you want. Just don't call me late for dinner. Y'all have heard that before. But keep in mind that in this series of promotions that, that Jace, Joseph more and more became valuable. And with success comes greater privileges Uh, In our lives Greater privileges And let me just say this Before we move on in this story Greater privacy Not always good I want to read you a quote I don't even know this person But in my studies I came across this I'll read it slow And and, 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 you know This started out about 6,000 words And I've got it down to just under 2,000 no, I'm serious, but it started out, and so I cull a lot out. Study all during the week, and then, at, you know, up until, even while you're in Sunday school class, I'm culling it down because I don't want to go, you know, give you too much information, too much. Keep it simple, stupid. That's what I keep saying to myself. Keep it simple, stupid, and, uh, and, and that works, by the way. And, but I, I, I wanted to cull this out, but it, it says it so well And so just bear with me and listen to this one paragraph, if you will. It's by a person named C.B. Myers. Says, I quote, We may expect temptation in days of prosperity and ease rather than in those of lacking and toil. So that's saying temptation is going to come to us when we're at ease, when everything's going good. Not when we're hard at work. Have you ever heard the saying, uh, 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 idle hands are the devil's uh, what, workshop? Playground. Okay, playground. Idle hands are the devil's playground or idle hands are the devil's workshop. That's what she's, she's saying here. We're not tempted when, uh, when we're busy. We're tempted when we slack off, right? It goes on and says, not on the glacier slopes of the Alps, but in the sunny places, not where men frown, but where they smile, sweet, exquisite smiles of flattery. Well, we start thinking we're somebody. Somebody, oh, pastor, boy, that was so good. Man, we thank God for you. And, woo! and your head just gets this big. And you puff out your chest further than your stomach. You try to anyway. You can laugh at that. It's all right. And that's where, that's where Satan just... You see, huh, I don't want to get ahead of myself. That's where Satan throws the bait out. This word temptation is a fishing term. And it's, it's, it's presenting the right bait. You, you that are super godly people that love to fish, amen, hallelujah. All right, then, <laughs> then, then you know what I'm talking about. You take your son fishing. I love those pictures on Facebook. And I, we got to get together sometime. I know a hot spot for just some brim and, and, and then some bass like this. Be good. So hold me to that, okay? All right, hold me to that. Uh, but, you know, you can throw... You can, you've, been, you've done this. You can throw a plug out, and that fish won't touch it. But you find something that that fish wants, you're going to catch it. And Potiphar was thrown some bait, we're gonna read here in a minute, in a desperate housewife, a cougar, and was, was ready to devour this young man. Because in verse, in verse six, it talks about he was a goodly guy. You know what that means? He was, he was, he was well-built. He was handsome. He was ripe for the picking, she thought. But he had a secret. You wanna know what that secret is? Like this. look at the word of God look at verse number, number 7 and it came to pass it came to pass after these things that his master's wife Potiphar's wife he, she cast her eyes upon Joseph that's where sin starts it starts with a look you look upon something you know what I'm talking about Sure you do. And she looked upon him with lust in her eyes. Most prominent men in positions like Potiphar, he was more than likely, he was was up there in years. But he had a nice-looking wife, a young wife. And she was lusting sexually after this young boy now you hear me we need to and I, I'm, I'm preaching to you so that for these teens to be aware and when you all date you ought to date with a purpose and that purpose ought to be looking for a mate looking for somebody to marry not for lust not for what you boys can get out of a girl what you girls can get out of a guy and we're trained with that in our media, everything about us. You can't take your kids on a vacation down I-75 without having to explain things to your kids because of the billboards they read. Am I right about that? I'm just being real. So when your kids date, you ought to say you can go on date, but you go date with a group of people. Y'all go bowling. You go ice skating. <laughs> oh wait, we're in Florida. No, there's ice skating rink. You can go to Rockledge, ice skate. You know what I'm saying. Don't just the two of you go, go off. Because there's too many holes in the woods to back a car into and to sit a while and let Satan have a field day with your daughter, with your son. And so we, 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 and, and then what happens is, Dad, I'm in love. Billy Graham said about children dating, about kids dating, <laughs> Billy Graham says, it's puppy love, but it's real to the puppies, Right, It's real to the puppies. And too many kids, they fall in lust. They don't fall in love. Because the world says that's what love is. The lead actor and the lead actress, they hook up, they rip off each other's clothes, and they jump in bed. I love you. I love you too. That's that's not love. Young people, that's not love. I promise you that's not love. Love is falling in love with God and then letting, allowing God to direct you to the woman or to the man you should marry. Don't fall in lust. Fall in love. Let's read on. Look at verse 8. Pot, but, uh, here's, Potiphar, here's Joseph in verse 8. But... but in verse, in verse uh, 7, her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. Hey, come get in bed with me. But he refused, and he said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master <coughs> wanteth not what is with me in the house, and he hath commit, committed all that he hath to my hand. Joseph said, Whoa, wait a minute. Hey, listen, my master, your husband, he, he, knows, he knows that I've got... I've got complete control. He's trusted me to to be in complete control of this household. And he said, and you're you're not one of them. I'm not in control of you. You're his wife. Look at verse 9. Now there is none greater in this house than I. He's telling her, neither hath he kept your husband back anything from me, but thee, you woman, because thou art his wife. And how then can I... How then can I do this great, what's the next word? Wickedness. And sin against whom? God. Did you catch it? Sin against God. You're in love with God more than you are in love with anyone else. And when temptation comes, hope to God, you would say, No, God, I'm not going to do that. I'm more in love with you than I think I am in love with this person right here. And it came to pass, as she spake to Joseph day by day, she didn't give up, every day, every day. Well, how did Joseph handle this? She, she, uh, Joseph, day by day, that he hearkened not unto her, so he didn't go with her to lie by her or to be with her. And verse 11, And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business, and there was none of the men of the house there within. None of the other servants were in the house. They were completely alone. Can you feel it? Verse 12, And she caught him by his garment and saying, Lie with me. And he left her gar- his garment in her hand. I mean, he just came out of his shirt or his jacket. He just came out of it. You ever done that when uh, you're playing tag or something, or, you know, and somebody grabs you and you just whoosh, slip? You just like skinning a squirrel, man. You just zip right out of it and you keep on running. Maybe you've never skinned a squirrel. Fled. He ran that she called unto the men of her house. Now she's thinking, oh my goodness. And she calls unto the men of the house saying, See, he hath brought in a Hebrew unto us to mock us. Who's the he hath brought? Who is that? That's Potiphar. He, she's down-mouthing her husband. Look what my churn-headed husband did. He brought this no-good Hebrew in here. Look what he's done. He tried to seduce me, and I've got his jacket in my hand to prove it. The old scoundrel just took off. She's framing him up right now, isn't she? She's framing him up. He hath brought in this Hebrew uh, unto us to mock us. And he came in to uh, to, to lie with me, and I cried with a loud voice. And it came to pass when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried that he left his garment with me and fled and got him out. And she laid up his garment by her until his Lord uh, Potiphar came home. And she spake unto him according to these words, saying, This Hebrew servant which thou hast brought unto us came in unto me to mock me. And it came to pass, as I lifted up my voice and cried, that he lifted up his garment with me and fled out. And it came to pass when his master heard the words of his wife, which she spoke unto him, saying, After this manner did thy servant to me that, it, uh, that his wrath was kindled. He got ticked off. He got mad. Potiphar, he got embarrassed. He got mad. Uh, he was, uh, and I, he, well, I better not say that. In verse 20, And Joseph's master took him, and and put him into the prison and place where the high king's prisoners were bound. You know, that's kind of like a special jail. And uh, he was there in prison. But, look at 21, but the Lord, but the Lord was with Joseph. That's why it's so important, uh, people, that, that we know Christ is our Savior. God says he'll never leave us, nor Lord, be with them while they go on the trip. You don't need to pray that. God's already promised to do that. God's promised to be with us. He'll never leave us nor Our friends will, whatever, but He will never leave us. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison and whatsoever they did there. So he, you know, and I was in charge of the prison. And the keeper of the prison looked not to any other thing that was under his hand, because the Lord was with him, and that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. And then we know the rest of the story. He goes on and read. It's a wonderful read, The Life of Joseph. But what Joseph did, he fled. In the Bible, Fleeing, uh, in the Bible, resisting temptation involved one, several things. A right relationship with God and, 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 a, and, and good fellowship with the Lord and loving God. But it also involved fleeing, running. What's, what is repentance? It's doing a 180, is it not? You're walking... And the lust comes upon you and you you're you're failing and, and maybe it's material material lust personal lust sexual lust and and, and you fail and listen what what uh, repentance is is doing a 180 i'm god i'm sorry i'm not going to go this way i do not desire to go this way if you ever sinned and felt sorry for it and felt bad about it sure you have if you're a child of god you're miserable you're miserable But 1 John 1, 9 is still in the Bible. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And it involves making a turn. And and so it's fleeing. The Bible says that that we're to flee uh, the the devil. We're to run from the temptation and and flee uh, the temptation that comes upon us. The problem is there's not enough fleeing going on. The problem is not there is too much acceptance. We live in a sexual society, and we and Christians just want to put their heads in the sand and say, "Well, you know, my kid's not going to fail. My kid's not going to mess up. My kid. It can happen to anybody. The lust comes. It can happen to anybody." Three things that sin will always do. Three things that sin will always do. Sin will take you further than you wanted to go. He went all the way. She went all the way. I mean, that's a goal. Most guys go all the way. You know what I'm talking about. It'll cause you to go further than you want to go. It'll cause you to stay longer than you wanted to stay. Oh, we were just sitting in the car talking. That's all we were doing. <laughs> hey, she's got a problem, and I just wanted to spend some time with her and pray. We just wanted to pray. I've never seen prayer steam up windows so much. Yeah. Yeah. And then sin will cause us to pay more than we want to pay. Some of you ladies are in this room and you know what I'm talking about. Some of you men in this room know what I'm talking about. It'll haunt you to the day you die. But man, when you fall in love with somebody first and keep sex for after marriage, I'm tired of seeing young people get married and then after the honeymoon is over, There'll come a day, fella, you're going to open your eyes and you're going to look over there on that pillow and say, whoop, who is that? You married folks know what I'm talking about. Have you ever looked in the mirror and caught yourself off guard? To who that was in the mirror? How many of that's happened to? Be honest. All right. Orlando Airport, they got these full-length mirrors as you're walking out. You know, the airport bathrooms nowadays, there's no door um, to exit or enter the bathroom, okay? And it must be clear there. And it's kind of like a little S-curve, right? And there's this full-length mirror right there. You know, you can check yourself, make sure, you know, everything's good. And so as I was having a pool bag, and I'm walking, I see that, I go, and I thought for a split second, who is that? Who's that fat old guy right there? It's me! Has that ever happened to you? It happened to me. I almost said, pardon, you know, come on through. But, oh, and when I did that, I was like, oh. That's me. Keep in mind, dear friends, that you cannot reform your lust, it's the sin nature. When God saved you, he didn't take the old nature out. We still have it. And therein is that battle. Every single day, there's that battle. And the 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 one you feed the most, you feed self and lust the most. I'm going to do what I want to do, be what I want to be, I'm going to do all those things. Or I'm going to I'm going to do what you want me to do, Lord. I'm going to be obedient to you and all and everything, whether therefore I eat or drink or whatsoever I do, I'm going to do it all to your glory, God. Whichever one you feed the most is the one that's going to reign in your life. The one that's going to be prominent in your life. You cannot reform. I had your lust. I had a a couple. uh, They trained. They had a a dog named Pumpkin, (laughs) and uh, it's just a little forty pound dog. And uh, they trained Pumpkin to sit, to lay down. You could go like this, and Pumpkin would fall on its back and raise his hands up like it was dead. Pumpkin can learn to sit up, shake hands, speak, all those things. But you know what? There are some things they could not train pumpkin not to do. Pumpkin still ate stuff that you and I tried to avoid not to step in. Pumpkin still pumpkin still sniffed other dogs where you and I would never sniff anybody else why because pumpkin's a dog pumpkin's a dog dogs do what dogs do Paul said for I know that in me that is in my flesh listen to Paul here In me dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. Paul's just being real, like I'm trying to be with you this morning. And he is saying, it's a battle. It's tough. And so we must present ourselves a living sacrifice every single day. So how is, I want to ask you this question, don't need an answer, you answer it within yourself. How is your Bible study going, your personal, not with all the bunch of people in your Sunday school class, Bible study class, but how's your Bible study? How are you read? are you reading God's love letter to you? How's your prayer life? Are you praying just over a meal, or do you spend some time with God? The Bible says to be uh, what's it? Um, <laughs> the Bible says the Bible says to pray without ceasing, and what that means is to always be in an attitude of prayer. Somebody said, "Well, they've taken prayer out of public schools. As long as they have tests, and there's Christians in public schools, there'll be prayer in public school." So don't, when things are going easy, when the money's flowing or, you know, don't, don't run away from God, run away from sin, run away from lust. Hello friends, this is Pastor Tom Porter of Temple Baptist Church in Titusville, Florida. I would like to thank you for joining me in this podcast and bringing the good news that Jesus Christ is the risen Savior. There is no problem too big and no blessing too small when Jesus is the Lord of our lives. I would like to ask you a question. When you die, where will you spend eternity? Will you spend it with Jesus forever or be eternally separated from Him? You know, the Bible says, "...whosoever calleth upon the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved from their sins." You know, it's God's desire for you to have faith in His Son, Jesus Christ... Your sins have separated you from God. You must admit to God that you're a sinner and ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins. Jesus bridges that gap between you on this earth and heaven. Will you accept Jesus as your personal Savior today? It's easier than you think. You can pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I admit to you that I'm a sinner. I realize that you paid the penalty for my sins on the cross and I want to receive you into my life Right now, save me from my sins. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you just prayed that prayer with me, then you've been born into the family of God.
0: Thanks for listening. Resolved is a production of Temple Baptist Church, Titusville, Florida, USA. If you wish to send us a question or comment, reach out to us by email at resolved.tbc@gmail.com. We're also on Twitter at Resolved Podcast. Make sure you visit our website at www.templebc.net If you're ever in our area, we hope that you'll come by and see us. Remember, Jesus is Lord. Take care and God bless you.